Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, welcome once again to Tennis Podcast Towers Melbourne, where you find myself, Matt and David at 1153 PM. And our first two semi-finals at this Australian Open have been set. It'll be Victoria Azarenka, the two-time former champion, against Elena Rabatkina. And it'll be Karen Hashinov up against Stefanos Tsitsipas, who we have just watched pledge to be, build schools for children in the first world country of Australia. Not a direction I expected the, the <laughs> evening to go, but uh, there we are. Good on you, Stefanos. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a nice thought. Um, he's definitely seen a slogan somewhere that Victoria is the state of education. Um, and he he was saying some stuff to Jim Career just now on the court after his win over Yuri Lehechka. Um It's been a day of straight sets victories. Yeah. Mm. Well... And and a retirement. We didn't and even quite get to four straight sets victories. The very first retirement of the tournament. And That's if you're amazing. interested in that fact, more on it in the newsletter. Oh, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to the newsletter now. <laughs> because an extension of, of that stat is featured in today's, today's newsletter. And Matt did, did a lot of... Um, pursuing of the mm. story for this stat. Yes, I really love it when some, something slightly weird happens during a day because that's always inspiration for a stat. The hardest thing about the stat is thinking of the idea. But yesterday we had, or was it two days ago, almost triple bagels and today oh, we had retirement. Matt almost lost his mind on that day. <laughs> I'm better mind. I've ever seen him. Uh, if, if you consider, we, I think we've produced... In the last twelve months, around a hundred or so newsletters. That's a lot of stats because there's a stat in every one. Uh, yeah, and the, and the stat about this being the first retirement of the tournament is that's doing the rounds. People people know that people are tweeting it, but Matt's got Matt's got more. Yeah, layers layers. Now we're talking. Um, other reasons to subscribe to the newsletter include the possibility 
to win tickets to the Miami Open, Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours and On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider are our sponsors throughout the Australian Open and they have given us a package for the Miami Open in March to give away to one lucky tennis podcast newsletter subscriber in the US or the UK. You'll get a three-night stay at the Miami Open for two people Two full day and night sessions of tickets at the tournament, premium hospitality, transportation to the venue, all included. So subscribe to the newsletter. The link to do that is in our show notes. Check out Matt's stat, check out everything else. And then once you've done that, go to the URL to enter the competition. If you're a UK or US resident, the URL is toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast tours. The number four tennis.com forward slash podcast. Who, who could they win breakfast with? Ooh. Oh, it's David's turn today to name insert obscure tennis player here. Yeah, see, I, I think Yuri Lehechka looks like a breakfast kind of guy to me. <laughs> He's a Grand Slam quarter finalist now, though. Not obscure enough, I would say. But that's the point. It's that. So you know, Bortic van der Zanskorp, yeah. isn't you he? See, did he reach the quarters at the US Open that one time? I think he did, yeah. You, and, and the point is, if you win, the, if you, win you might be having breakfast <laughs> near Yuri Lehechka, who's now not third rate. He's a... Grand Slam quarterfinal. He is at the very least second rate, yeah. and he might be at breakfast. No very, guarantees, very, folks. Very, no we're very guarantees. clear that we are not guaranteeing breakfast <laughs> with Yuri Lehechka, but we also can't rule it out. So mm. those are the facts. Uh, on occasion, also bringing us to Indian Wells. We can't wait. Our accommodation is booked. Um, everyone keeps telling me how cold it is at home, so I'm very pleased to have... Uh, the edge taken off returning to minus five by the fact that we'll be going to Indian Wells in March. So thank you very much to On Location for that. They're also offering a 5% discount code to all friends of the tennis podcast for Steve Fogel's international tennis tours throughout 2023. And just a little update for you. They've just launched their 2024 Australian Open packages have Steve Fogel's international tennis tours. And I think it's fair to say that we would highly recommend a trip to the Australian <laughs> Open. It is great. Just a bit, yeah. Um, today hasn't quite been great. There have been interesting little storylines. We'll touch upon them. Tennis tennis didn't catch fire today. Slightly odd weather day. It was one of those Melbourne four seasons in a day thing. We had um, the first night session match, which was, you know, the, the match of the day on paper, um, between Jessica Pagula and Victoria Azarenka. That was played under the roof, despite the fact that it was it was actually a really gorgeous evening outside. And I understand that they, you know, they were still fearful of there being more rain. It had been very on and off throughout the day. But I think that created a slightly odd vibe inside the Rod Laver Arena. I found the whole atmosphere of this match, which... We watched the entirety of Matt inside the Rod Laver Arena. David, you were in the commentary booth with an even better view than us. I found the whole vibe a little bit strange. And maybe that's because Victoria Azarenka, who won the match, by the way, handily, um, 6-1, sorry, 6-4-6-1. Maybe it's because she just made such a fast start. It kind of sucked the air out of the room and sucked the air out of Jessica Pagula. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. I think I said to you when Azarenka was was an early break up, oh, this is really good for the match. Mm. Because I felt like there was a danger with 
or, or, or not a danger because you know it wouldn't necessarily have been a bad thing but there was a possibility that Jessica Bagula could have absolutely rolled through that match given how well she's been playing what she's been doing to kind of everyone that she's been facing so I thought right okay this is maybe good for the contest that Azarenka has has made a fast start and I think it probably was to be fair for that first set that first set was really interesting Azarenka I thought was playing tactically so so smart looping some shots slicing some shots trying to trying to take Pagula's rhythm away a little bit I think I think Pagula wants the ball in her strike zone and Azarenka was doing sort of everything within her power to to get it out of that she was awesome you know so intense so ready for the match and brilliant you know the best I've seen Azarenka play in in a long long time to be honest um but even when she went went a set up I still felt like Pagula had a real shot in this match because she wasn't that far away and she wasn't playing I didn't think particularly close to her best and then there was a really long game in in the um second set I think it was the fourth game Azarenka came through it and honestly after that there wasn't much resistance at all from Pagula. She was slumping her shoulders. She was sort of looking over to her box. We we picked up that she was um, sort of mouthing, what do I do? What do I do? She was sort of ba- bailing out of rallies quite a lot. And it was a very un-Jessica Pagula-like performance for that last four or five games, to be honest. Uh, I, was, I was really shocked by that. And... Um, yeah, it was it was a shame actually because I didn't feel like it really did her justice because she's been playing so well, she's been so appropriately thought of as a real contender at this tournament, and and to go out like that was just it's a little bit was a little bit disappointing. I thought. Yeah, I mean, we, we will talk a lot lot about Victoria Azarenka because she's she's such an interesting and surprising story of this tournament. I mean, what a mysterious tennis player she. <laughs> She is. And we all went to a press conference. That was fascinating. Um, so we'll be going into depth on her. But just before we do, Jessica Pagula, I found this a really strange, slightly shocking day at the office for Jessica Pagula. Her defining trait is being reliable. And OK, Azarenka played well enough today that anybody could have lost to her. But the manner of that defeat, I found slightly alarming I felt like her energy at the start was how dare my opponent play this well there was a lot of Yelena Ostapenko like sort of shrugging like what's this this isn't (laughs) what I signed up for this isn't what I prepared for Uh, and then she she rallied no pun intended she broke back when Azarenka was serving for the set poor game from Azarenka it has to be said but signs of possibility for Bagula and then it kind of Went, went again just as quickly. And then again, as Matt said, first three games of the second set, I thought, OK, this is on. This could be toe-to-toe here. At that point, I would have probably picked a third set. And then she just disappeared. There was total surrender from her in in the last few games. She was It was cl- borderline unprofessional, I thought, in those last few games. And maybe there was something else going on. I, I don't know... But it was very unpagula like who is so professional, so tough, so reliable, so tenacious. Um, I found it very strange. And there's a couple of things from her post-match press conference. She 
is not alarmed. She's very, very disappointed, but she was very like, look, I've reached a lot of Grand Slam quarterfinals. Now I've proven that this is no accident. I will keep getting myself into these positions and one of these times hopefully it'll turn out to be more. And I'm glad she feels that way. I'm glad that she's not, you know, in a disaster zone about it. But on the other hand, I did just have sort of ringing in my ears your words about Victoria. No, not Victoria. I can't do anyone's first name at the moment. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Victoria Kuzmova. <laughs> I thought that too. No one's that ever talking have... about Victoria Kuzmova. Not, no. not, in, not at this thought, stage of I the tournament. A really bad day for Jessica Bagula. <laughs> no, your words about Irina Sabalenka and people having a moment, a moment of opportunity in... Look, I don't think Jessica Pagula is going anywhere. I really don't. I think she will be a factor in Grand Slams to come. But I do just wonder if this... We might end up looking back as this having been her moment. I think this was an enormous opportunity for her. And I'm glad she isn't devastated at losing that. But objectively, I think it is a pretty devastating loss actually mm. well i i feel it was a little bit matteo berrettini against kasparud at the u.s open mm. finally there's no novak Djokovic mm. and there's no rafael nadal and it's right there mm. and laid an egg so didn't too. he and and, and I, I think that finally she was she didn't have ash barty and Igishviontek in her way. Um, so this this is why we're all so excited on her behalf and also because of the level she'd been playing coming in because even with Shviontek there, she dominated her. She mm. was devastating. She's been devastating all the way through the tournament. She even handled a close match against Krachikova. So this is it was so out of character, it, it ends up being alarming for those that watch regularly, which is which are people like us. Um, her, her body language in the second set was terrible, I'm afraid. Terrible. And I don't like judging people's body language, particularly women, uh, I, on a court. I, 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 I don't like jumping to conclusions and saying things uh, necessarily just on, on observation because I don't know what's going on this either. But, but the difference, the contrast between her and Azarenka of of one player looking optimistic and f- solution oriented, and another player looking defeated and you know without any without any hope was 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 tough watch. And I think this, it's it's a shame because I thought that was the best set of the tournament, the first set in the women's get, in the women's draw, and one of the best sets overall mm. in the entire tournament. And it, you forget that. It was 66 minutes or something mm, like great. that. And mm. it was 5-2 and then it's 5-4 and it's toe-to-toe and it's brilliant rallies and, and Azarenka rolling back the years and Pagula trying to assert her recent form, which you're expecting to, to switch things. And she just couldn't do it. And then, yeah, I, I, I think she should be probably, I, I don't necessarily expect her to tell us this, but she should be more, more alarmed than that. She <clears throat> she mentioned the conditions, didn't she, mm. as being really slow, um, which I sort of felt like maybe the roof being on would help her because obviously it was in it was in, in indoor conditions that she beat Igor Sviontek the other week. Uh, but I think she made the point that 
maybe there those that those indoor conditions sped things up and here at night it actually slowed things down and Azarenka had played more at night than than Pagula had and was maybe used to those conditions she wasn't you know blaming that for the result but she she sort of pointed to it as a as a contributing factor I asked her about whether the fact that it was a quarter final was sort of in her head because she's never been beyond a quarter final before and this was such an opportunity and she said it wasn't she said it was just like every other match and that that made me think well maybe it should feel mm. different you know maybe maybe that's the point maybe you need to step up more in 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 these big matches i don't know i mean this this was different because probably she was the favorite in in one of these matches for the first time but i don't know i feel like the very best players do treat the biggest matches a little bit differently to the others i mean i know it's a it's a tennis player cliche and it's a process one match at a time but top players raise their game don't they in the biggest moments it's it's like they do have a different approach in those matches and just something was missing from Pagula today and you know it's now I think zero and five in quarterfinals and zero and ten in in sets so you know it it does does, that's damaging does feel like there's I, I don't know whether it was baggage that caused today or whether baggage is now accumulated as a result of today, mm. but that that word is is sort of in my mind for her. Just on that, the cliche of focusing on the process and not the result. There was a, a great line, one of many from Victoria Zarenka's press conference, where she said, "I know that she she was talking about process and how that's her new mindset now." You know, the whole press conference was about this new mindset, where it's come from. It was fascinating stuff. Uh, but that was one of the things she said, wasn't it? She said, I always used to talk about the process in the way that sports people do without really knowing what it meant. <laughs> and now I talk about it and actually mean it. <laughs> yeah, she says, pe- people say, just, just what, what was it? She don't says, have thoughts. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah don't, be don't be thinking don't, don't about, think about it. Yeah. And she yeah. says, I can't do that. <laughs> she said, she basically said that's utter nonsense, mm-hmm. which I found very relatable. Um, yeah, what a fascinating Victoria Azarenka press conference. I mean, she swaggers in, she sits down in her dual sunglasses, as she has done for every press conference this week. She's been wearing, in the on-court interview, she went and put on her PSG, her Paris Saint-Germain top, didn't she? Apparently that's something to do with, she's a mega Messi fan. Uh, Lionel Messi uh, and her son is really into PSG so apparently it's something she's doing for her for her son but it's very Victoria Zarenka in Australia isn't it or very Victoria Zarenka everywhere these sort of props and bits and you know deflections I suppose but in she struts in in her dual sunglasses and you're thinking indoors how how are we going to get anything here how are you going to form any kind of connection to to get a good answer you know i con the i contacted we talked about it yesterday with blake shelton and holger runa blake oh my god <laughs> yep blake i blame simon briggs for <laughs> simon briggs who's who in a moment of deep confusion texted us revealing that he'd spent his morning <laughs> 
looking for drip and night train in the Blake Shelton Spotify discography. I saw Simon this morning and he wasn't a mess. <laughs> like, I don't understand how your, he was doing this. Your tennis turned him into this. Maybe. Oh, anyway. So... Oh, and, and, God. and what I love about the whole... Catherine's whole Ben Blake thing is Catherine doesn't really know who Blake Shelton is. It, it's not a Taylor Swift, Taylor Fritz situation where Taylor Swift is front of mind all the time. No, I really I know none of his material. I I searched him yesterday. I don't think his stuff is necessarily for me. Should we just stick to Blake? Um, just anyway, Blake. we digress. Eye contact, very, very important. <laughs> Those Dior sunglasses do not allow for any eye contact. If, if I said Dior enough for them to send me some sunglasses, <laughs> maybe. Feel, feel free, Dior, if you're listening. <laughs> Four. Um, but somehow she does end up giving this sort of confessional, doesn't she, in there? There was a lot of stuff to pick up on from her on-court interview where she talked about the fear and anxiety that she'd been playing with last year, how she went into the off-season and decided, I have to do something different. I have to be open-minded open-minded to to doing things differently. And it sounds like approaching life differently. It sounds to me, she didn't explicitly say this, so I might be taking a bit of a leap, but I, I don't think so. It sounds to me like she's had a lot of therapy. Um, and it's given her a new perspective on life she had a lot of things to say david yeah she did i i joined the the press conference so uh, i think maybe one or two questions in uh because i was running from the the press com pre, the the commentary box and uh she was already deeply into breaking down how her anxiety has affected her and how she is trying to deal with it and and the changes that she's made from last the end of last year and throughout the year where she was very clearly visibly struggling on the court to engage with matches and to feel herself out there and and it clearly manifests itself off the court as well and it stretches into her whole life and and the two are are, un, are inseparable is is what she said to us and and it was really i found that very interesting to to understand and to, to listen to because she was so open about it she wasn't hiding she was telling us in detail what happens and what did happen and why it's different now and the conscious effort she she'd made in the off season to not necessarily be positive, to not necessarily be negative, but to try to be even, to let, to, to, to try to stay in between, and and to just end up where she is right now in a good place on the tennis court. Where and I, and I, and I think she's in a wonderful place on the court right now. I don't, I don't think I've seen her play this well for years. It's just great to see um, her come out like that. And then, Catherine, you asked her about. The de- to, to detail her fears and she kept on referencing these fears that she'd been experiencing and that she'd finally found a way to to conquer um throughout the last this process she's been on the last few months and she said fear of failure hmm. is the main one she said there are others but the main one is fear of failure yeah um and and in that answer she she referenced having experienced in her life panic attacks which 
immediately triggered a memory for me from 10 years ago when she was playing, I, I think it was playing Sloane Stevens in the semi-final, and she left the court for some treatment, um, and then she was gone for quite quite some minutes uh, at a point when I think she might have been behind. I can't exactly remember what, what was happening with the score. Maybe Stevens was coming back at her or something Yeah, like I that. think Azarenka had had multiple match points, not right. taken them, yeah, uh, and then went off court for, I think it was about 10 minutes, yeah. and then came back and broke serve and, and won the match. Right. And um, afterwards, she and the reason the reason I and I actually brought this up to her. I, I said, given given what you've just described, are you able to f- to more easily understand what happened to you ten years ago? What I was getting at is her use of the word panic attack. Is what I my suspicion was that that's what she'd ha- experienced during that moment. And um, and I, I must admit, at the time, I, I sympathised with her. I, I've I've experienced panic attacks, and they are incredibly debilitating. They they knock you out. They almost make you pass out if if you get a bad one. And I think that she was going through that at the time. That was my suspicion, um, and I and I sympathised. And and so I, I was just curious to know whether ten years on, she she could appreciate what had happened more now and understand it and she she said to me uh well what do you know what happened to me 10 years ago and I said no I don't can you can you explain to me and she she launched into a a story about how disgraceful the treatment of her was 10 years ago in the in the media she was pointing the finger at us all collectively, um, she said it didn't matter how many times I tried to explain what was happening. People thought that I was faking, that I was cheating, that I was trying to to gain an upper hand. That that was the gist of what she said, um, and she sympathised with what Novak Djokovic had said the previous night uh, about how he feels like he was always treated differently she said there always has to be a villain and I was the villain and she said I think she said you know it's taken me 10 fucking years in order to get over that and and, and I finally have and that, and that was the word she used it was quite a moment for a press conference that was yeah it really was. Imagine if you'd been able to make eye contact with her while she was, <laughs> while she was yeah. saying it. Yeah. I'd bowled into that press conference thinking, oh, I'll ask her about her dog, seeing as she's brought her dog up. And, and I thought a few minutes in, now's not the time. <laughs> Another time, maybe. Um, yeah, it was, it was really quite something. And, and something seems to be different. Ten years on from her last victory here, defending her title... 10 years since she's won a Grand Slam title. Those two Australian Open wins are the only major titles that she has to her name still. That, tonight, over Jessica Pagula is her first top five win at a slam since beating Maria Sharapova in the 2012 US Open semi-final. That's a stat I got from the WTA on Twitter. Amazing stat. Um, So, look, something is different. I don't know if it'll be enough to carry her to the title. As I've said, she is utterly 
mysterious. Every success that she's had in the past at least five years has come completely out of nowhere when you're not thinking about her or expecting it at all. You know, she had a, a run at the end of last season in Guadalajara, you were remembering, Matt, and just the last time we'd seen her before that, she was barely looking like a professional tennis player against Emma Raducanu in, in Cincinnati. The run to the 2020 US Open final, a few weeks before that, we were watching her in Lexington against Venus Williams look just woeful, quite frankly, completely underpowered. We were... We were all speculating about whether her game had just sort of gone out of date. Mm-hmm. Here, she's she's coming here on no no form at all, seemingly, um, but a little bit like Andy Murray. She she knew something we didn't. She knew something was different, even if even she, if her tennis wasn't. She sensitive. really used her experience results today as well. I mean, I think the the high balls she kept putting up to Pagula, then the slight all. The, you know, she wasn't just blasting away. She was using all that stuff. And I mean, the thing is, you, you were saying about 10 years ago, Catherine, I mean, she was a young woman then, wasn't she? And, and I think we, we expect so much of these, these young people to, mm. to have it all worked out, to know exactly what's what. And, and at 33 now, it's a, you're a different person, aren't you? 33 and a mum of two, in her own words, because she, she's a, she's a mum to, to Leo and to Guapo. A um a golden doodle. <laughs> <laughs> and guapo means handsome in Spanish. These are it things does. I learned today from Matt. Hey. Um so head to Victoria Azarenka's Instagram if you want some guapo content. He is an absolute beaut. In the Australian Open semi final, Victoria Azarenka will face Elena Rabakina who beat Yelena Ostapenko 6-2, 6-4 in the first match of the day today. As much as we've just bigged up Victoria Azarenka, and rightly so, Rabakina is going to take some beating this tournament. Ostapenko, I don't think, played particularly badly today. She just couldn't make any inroads really on the Rabakina serve, and Ostapenko's own serve is vulnerable. Ostapenko needs to be able to break serve. A bit like that Sabalenka Benchich match in that way, isn't mm. it? You know, one player's got a serve that is attackable and the other one didn't. Mm. Yeah, swap the two serves round and the result might have swapped round. It really did feel like that was the difference because Rebekina could hold more easily and she could also take advantage of Ostapenko's pretty weak second serve really um but some of the rallies in this were were great particularly i think it was the fourth game of the second set you know everything was sort of ending on winners i think ostapenko had 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 a break early but hadn't sort of consolidated it and with her serve it never really felt like she had a break until she had consolidated it um but rebekina just sort of picked up where she left off really against against Sviontek, I thought, broke in the first game again. Just a, another sort of statement of intent. Uh, she's she's looking so good and so comfortable is she, is she and the so calm. At this stage? Yes. Re- reigning Grand Slam champion in form. Rabakina and Sabalenka look yeah. at the moment like the best two players but Rabakina out of those two Rabakina's been there and done it yeah 
And 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 look, I I wouldn't count out Vekic given that five one head to head for Sabalenka tomorrow. That could be a problem for her mm. um, and Pam. But <laughs> <laughs> good luck, Pam. But um, but I mean, I don't know. I I, I do th- I do think the the achievement of already having been there and done it for a backer is big. Because mm. I think she's such a she's she's twenty three and yet she seems younger in so in so many mm. ways, and greener. And yet now she's won that, and she's gone and had an off season, made herself even physically stronger. She just looks like a woman who knows where she's going with it with everything now. So I do think she's the favourite. Yeah, mm. e- even though I think Azarenka was amazing today, and I really think Azarenka might find a way, but Rebecca and I would probably say is the favourite. Yeah, Azarenka's got been there and done it experience as well, mm. hasn't she? I just think Rebekina and Sabalenka feel like they could just hit anyone off the court, including Azarenka. But if but if Azarenka turns it into a bit of a battle or gets her teeth into the match, and maybe use some of the, uses some of those flights of the ball that mm. she yeah, used today, absolutely. Uh, yeah, she she really did show tactical flexibility today I thought which was great yeah not going to be easy for Rebecca but she just she just looks so good and I I don't think we can underestimate how hard it is to back up a big win like like Sviontek you know like and and I never really had any doubt that she would she just fills me with confidence um but a lot of players really struggle in that second match after after a big win. But I think that's because for her, it felt like she belonged. It felt like, you know, just a step on her path to the title. It wasn't a huge moment that she'd beaten the world number one. It was just something she had to do on her path. And that's the, that's the confidence that she's playing with and that she gives you, I think. She's playing for the title. She's playing for the backhand list. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a lot at stake for Elena and, Rebecca. And, and also... I should say, a lot of people um, message me about Azarenka on well, the backhand list. Well, she's kind of an OG, isn't she? Exactly. I saw, when I made the list, in my mind, it's kind of a bit like, it was kind of a bit like Halep. Like, if I was doing an all-time women's mm. backhand list, I totally think they would be on it. But at, in the moment, they didn't feel that... Do an all-time one. Relevant. Was Anna Bogdan which... relevant when you were doing the list? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I want. I want. But I want an all-time list. I mean, Azarenka's backhand is awesome. Mm. Maybe the list is Look long at enough. Him. He's glazing over. <laughs> he's, he's. They're all going through his head. Matt needs a moment. There is talk. <laughs> there is talk of a men's backhand list, TBC. But there is uh, there is strong incentive and encouragement for for that to happen. Selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live. And you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Let's talk about the men's matches from today. Should we do Sitsabas? Because we've already we've already touched upon the big headline, which is that he's going to build schools for Australian children. Yep. Um, he's also going to play in another Australian Open semi-final. He beat Yuri Lehechka tonight, three straight sets. It looked for for quite a lot of that third set like he just. It had the feel of a match where it would he would. Still get over the line. You'd never really worry that he would lin- lose, but he he might get himself embroiled in a an annoying fourth set. That's what it had the feel of to me. And I think it was very impressive from him that that didn't happen. He's got an extraordinary uh, breakpoint saved record going on this tournament. And that played out again tonight. So solid, so secure on breakpoints on his own serve. The serve is looking really solid I was more worried than you you know for for on his account in that third set because I, I think he did incredibly well in the first two sets to to deal with a real and present danger of an opponent who's bloody good you know Lehechka is dangerous mm. and and compact and yet powerful he's got a, a, a pretty formidable combination there but it was the body language of Sitsipas and, and the way he slashed that ball away in anger when he was at 3-4 on the Hedgeka's serve and didn't break and, and he nearly hit a ball kid. Now, obviously, in a, in a, with a little bit of bad luck there, he, he's not only injuring a ball kid, but he's also defaulted from the tournament. Okay, that didn't happen, but he was you could see steam coming out of his ears. He was just so nervous and so anxious and so angry that the match wasn't already over yet. I really thought that we could be looking at a Borna Charge situation there if he if he'd have lost that set. That's, so you know, it's the worst kind of situation <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, Stefano Sitsipas. U.S. Open 2020, multiple match points because we've seen it with him. He can lose his mind, 
Mm. Um, and maybe this is a, an, an example of progress, that he actually held it together just long enough to win the match in straight sets. And he played well. He deserved it. And, I mean, look, you know, we tease him, but he's, he's, he means well and all the rest of it. But um, that was – I think he was really, really – on the edge there, and the, and he he got away with it. He needs to calm down. Mm. Forehand's looking good, isn't it? It is, and and he's stepping up in the big moments, mm. as you said in that second set tiebreak. I thought he just accelerated away, showed his class, and he is playing really well on on those break points. I suppose it would be a bit of a worry to me that he's conceding so many break points. I'm, I, it's a slightly obscured statistic because so many of them were against Yannick Sinner. Um, I 29? Think, I think it was 26. Right. And he got broken four times, but he lot. saved a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, he, he, he saved eight out of eight today, but, you know, he's, he's got a semi-final first, but I'm just, I'm just thinking of Novak Djokovic, you know, and I don't think he would allow Sitsipas to get away with that many chances. I think he needs to be sort of closing cl- closing even more convincingly. But he's playing really, really well, and there has been a different feel about him this tournament. He he always plays well at the Australian Open, doesn't he? As you said, I think this is his fourth semi-final in the last five years. Like, he's really, mm. he's really called, consistent here. Called it his home Grand Slam, he did. which was a nice... He keeps uh, saying that. No, yeah. it's a nice... He's trying I mean, to make it happen. That goes down <laughs> well with the, with the locals. Yeah. They like that. I mean, they're always... I do remember once... Watching Sitsapas, I think I think he was on court three. I think it would have been in 2019. Huge Greek support for him, and then they all marched over. I think to the John Kane Arena for Sakari, yeah. and there was a, it was a lovely Aww. scene. I've, I've it, always it, remembered it, it. It is actually a really nice energy out there with the Greek fans, yeah. and um, they they bring joy. I think when they come to Mel- Melbourne Park, mm. don't they? And I, I think I do think Sitsapas gets a lift from that, and. Plays better here, and and the conditions suit him. And I think he's, you know, I think he's feeling strong after after the sort of off season. Um, but I, yeah, he's he's in he's in a very good place. It's I um I watched the little bit he did with the um the Australian comedian Andy Lee. That is his name, isn't mm. it, Andy Lee? Um, I'm doubting everything now. <laughs> <He's> the- <laughs> <laughs> he used to do these um, guess who segments with with the players that would run over the course of the uh, the tournament during Channel 9's coverage. And this year they're doing something different, which is um, we asked 100 Australians whether they've ever done this thing and, and the, the player has to guess what percentage of Australians have done this thing. Matt and I watched one with uh, the duo of Holger Rune and Felix Ogelia seem earlier and they were asked to guess what percentage of Australians have... Uh, done a poo outside as adults and it was shockingly high 67 percent, david <laughs> that is the headline of the day what in a toilet outside no 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 out in, in a... the open out in the open out in the open I'll, just, I'll let that sink in for you for a moment what i meant to tell you was <laughs> where that are I they s- going to do that <laughs> what a country <laughs> what i meant to tell you was that i saw stefano sitzapasses sometime in the blur that is time of the last few days and before they started with the questions they did a joke about the greek community and all of that and and they handed him a plate to smash and in the most stefanos sitsipas turn of events ever he threw the plate down and it failed to smash 
<laughs> so for the whole bit, there's just this intact plate <laughs> sitting on the floor, <laughs> <laughs> laughing at him. Oh, um, anyway, in the uh, semi-final, he will face Karen Hashinov, uh, who is a confirmed Grand Slam specialist that's back-to-back major semi-finals now having achieved that feat at the u.s open um i almost said peter corder then (laughs) (laughs) what is happening to me (laughs) i'm just gonna do surnames from now on (laughs) only surnames uh sebastian corder seb corder sebi corder um bit of a diminished threat today it has to be said had a wrist injury got treatment on it in the second set he said it's something he felt early in the season uh he felt it when he was playing in Adelaide a little bit um but he hadn't been feeling it this tournament until today he started feeling it in the second set and look it it was a factor it was an increasing factor as the match went on it resulted in him having to retire midway through the third set I think he might have struggled with Hashanov today either way. Quite frankly, I always underestimate Karen Hashanov. I don't remember even sort of hovering over him when I did my predictions. Quite frankly, I put Francis Tiafo into that fourth round matchup, I think, with, uh, with Rafael Nadal without too much hesitation, to be honest. And yet, he's really good at Grand Slams and really good on a hard court, his rally tolerance is incredible. I, I'm i too guilty of thinking, he's big and agricultural, he's just going to bash the ball around. But actually, he's content to rally and be patient and wait for the moment to, to give the ball a whack, in the words of, uh, of Ash Barty. And he's really solid and how the good's, back of the court. How good is his backhand down the line, Matt? The, mm. The, mm. There were a couple of times when Seb Corder was running around his backhand to the inside out and just opening up that gap and it and Hashnov didn't need a second to to pull the trigger. Mm. It's quite a stiff looking shot. Yeah. And yet it's he it makes it work. If he's really on form, makes if he's work. in form, yeah. you know, he's he's obviously worked so hard, hasn't he? Stiff doesn't get you on the backhand list, I'm he's afraid. He's a stiff Karen. looking guy, isn't he? He's not loose and fluid and maybe that's why we overlook him because it's not, you know, it's not all feet off the ground, inside out, single-handed backhands, is it? Mm. But do you know what he's actually doing? Is he's showing he's got fangs, which we've always said he hasn't got. He did look quite fangy because, today. Because yeah. he isn't that good, <laughs> right? He's good. That is going to get clipped up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's a Rafael, David you need, to, you need to do a, you need to do a, an adult yeah. type clarification. I didn't say that. <laughs> but these guys who we all think are more talented and are, are going to beat him. He plays big boy tennis against them and he just mm-hmm. he refuses to have it. He just says, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm coming after you and I will I will be carried off this court. If if I have to be, and and you're going to get it, and 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 he's going to pull the trigger, he's going to go for everything, and he won't be left wondering what would have happened, mm. and um and and he's maximising as a result. I think that those are fangs. Interesting. Mm. The word that comes to mind for me always with Hatchinov is is robust, and I think I think it's that's not a sexy word. That is it. 
I've called him think stiff that, and robust. It makes me think of that episode of Veep. Robust. Anyone know that so, reference? Karen Hatch and no, I don't. Grand Slam semi-finalist. Robust. Not sexy. Um, not very not, good. Not that good. <laughs> but stiff. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, Karen. I mean, but fangy. But, but congratulations. Fangy. He's the ultimate. Despite ultimate all compliment. that, you're in the semi-final. <laughs> and and it does make sense to me that he's good over five sets because of. His robustness, <laughs> like he—he's a tough out. I think people would say, and and he's also Americans would say, yeah, and and he's also, you know, <laughs> powerful enough that he can also impose himself when he needs to. Um, and I mean, the word he used was that he's reinvented himself in in these slams, you know, because That's a good line. because he was the guy who was reliably. Third round, fourth round, couple of quarterfinals in there. But I think that's maybe why we don't trust him to go far. Because for so long, he hasn't been this guy. It's only very recently, semi-final in New York, semi-final here, where he has emerged as a real specialist, I suppose, in, 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 these, in these events. And, and he thinks he's got a much better shot this time in the semi-final. This was before he knew his opponent, but he... He wasn't talking about the opponent specifically. And the reason he thinks that is because in New York, he just had a, a long line of difficult, grueling matches. And by the time he got to the semi-final, he was a bit spent. And that in, included a very late match against uh, Kyrgios that finished at about 2 a.m. He said he didn't get to bed until 5. When you miss a whole night's sleep, he said, you know, very much the theme of this tournament you miss a whole night's sleep you're sort of just ruined and you've got no chance the next time he's had a good draw here he's come through relatively comfortably he feels in good shape after the off season so he, he's sort of talking up his chances he really is um and then just the sort of one one other line that well uh, there were a few other things that came out of his press conference which i'm gonna i'm sure we're gonna get on to but one of them was uh matt Futterman asked him about the fact that, you know, he's sort of, he was the guy amongst that generation of Russians. You know, Andrei Rublev, Daniil Medvedev always say that he was better as the junior. Matt Futterman revealing himself as a, a tennis podcast listener circa 2018 there. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was there for Matt Roberts' day. <laughs> but, but I think even even when they were sort of coming up together in the juniors, mm. you know, he was the one that was that was more talked about. And for me, that sticks out because I remember being at the Davis Cup in 2021 and Hatchinov was there as the fourth Russian. You know, he was he was the spare part because, I mean, Aslan Karatsev was ahead of him. And I just I remember then I interviewed him and he just seemed completely unbothered. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that sort of tells me everything that I sort of feel like I know about Karen Hatchinov. You know, he's, he's quite comfortable being where he is. And I thought he should be really battling with Medvedev and Rublev and certainly Karatsev to be one of the, you know, one of his country's top players. Where are you now, Aslan? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, when was the last time I ever said the word Aslan Karatsev? It's a long time. And and he and he said that you know there has been a little bit of a of a shift in in the last few years and he, in the last year or so and he and he cited you know okay they're not compatriots but he said 
you know, the big three have all sort of spurred each other on. And he said he has been a bit spurred on by the other two in, in the last year or so. So that, I think, has been a sort of reinvention of him as well. And, you know, there's, there's just a bit more hunger, I think, about him. He was, he was very content. I think where he was for a while, and he suddenly decided that no, actually, I'm I'm, I'm better than than that. I do see some Rorinka comparisons. Mm. You know, the, the the slam specialist thing, the, the late play, bloomer, being a, a different guy in slams, bit of a late bloomer, spurred on by the success of countrymen. Mm. You know, agricultural. <laughs> yeah. I won't labour the point, but there you go. Um, Looks like he can grow a beard in about two hours. Just on the one thing that might be making him that extra bit fangy this tournament, and you 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 might have noticed this over the course of over the course of the tournament if you've been following Karen Hashinov, he's been writing messages of support on the camera lens uh, after he wins. Support for the people of Artsakh. Um, Today he didn't explicitly write a message of support for the people of Artsakh. He wrote, don't forget your roots on the camera. Now, what this all refers to, Artsakh is also known as the Nagorno-Karabakh region of Armenia. Um, And Hashanov is a Russian with Armenian roots. He is Armenian by ethnicity. And Armenia is currently in conflict with Azerbaijan over the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh. It's a conflict that escalated into full-scale war in 2020. um, And the region is currently suffering from a month-long blockade by Azerbaijan. So that's the specific uh, situation he's referring to um, with those messages of support to to the people in that region to to hold on, was what he wrote um, in the previous round. And there is some speculation that the reason he didn't or or wasn't quite as explicit today is because the Azerbaijan Tennis Federation has written a letter of complaint to the ITF about these messages. And it's it's quite a letter. They have written, writing heartfelt wishes, and they made this public. They said, writing heartfelt wishes on the camera lens is a kind of tradition in tennis, but Hashanov abused this, using it in his dirty plans. Uh, they describe the messages as provocation and they demand that the ITF punish Hashanov and take drastic measures so that similar situations do not recur. Hashanov said after his win today that he he hadn't been censored or asked to, to not write such messages on the camera. It's possible that he was, though, aware of the complaint and sort of censored himself a little bit so as not to attract so much controversy and attention. But that's... That's a little something that is uh, that's going on behind the scenes, and who knows? May- maybe it's giving him that extra bit of edge. That being said, it's a bad head-to-head with Sitsipas, isn't it, for Hashanov? Yes, I-, I can't remember the exact details of it, but it's five-zero uh, to Sitsipas in his favour, and I think some quite recent meetings in there as well. That's very. I would have expected Sitsipas to have the edge, but that is. Very one-sided. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm not sure whether I think of Karen Hachinov in his former state rather than his US Open and Australian Open semi-final state in my assessment of that head-to-head. But I imagine those those results are pre, um, and I can imagine his shape a shot 
Sitsipas just dragging mm. Hashinov off the court mm. in a in a way that exposes the stiffness that we we've talked about. Um, but this is a new bloke, or at least he's he's in the best phase of his entire career. And if he's ever going to hurt Sitsipas, it's now. Mm. But I also think Sitsipas is looking very very good too. So I'd I'd still make him the favourite. Tomorrow's schedule starts at 11am on the Rod Laver Arena for Karolina Pliskova against Magda Lynette. Is it really? 11am? 11am. Crikey. And then not before 1pm for Arena Sabalenka against Donna Vekic. Now I know the reason that is given for those two women's quarterfinals being the first two matches in the day session is that they have to come back and play tomorrow and it wouldn't be fair on one or both of them to have to play in the evening and come back and play again the next day. But you have designed the schedule so that they have to come and play the next day. That is... And they're playing night session now the following day. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, Anyway, that is followed by Ben Shelton against Tommy Paul, the All-American... I mean, Blake. ...quarterfinal. Did I say it wrong again? No. No. (laughs) David's trolling you, Catherine. Sorry. <laughs> Blake Shelton is living rent-free in my head, and I don't even really know who he is. <laughs> then at 7.30, it's Andre Rublev against Novak Djokovic. Uh, and then some sensations. Olivia Gadecki <laughs> and Mark Pullmans against Luisa Stefani and R. Matos. I'm just checking his first name. Bear with me. Raphael. She's a heck of a player, she is. <laughs> it's a man. Stefani, I mean. Oh, it's mixed doubles. <laughs> Stefani, Stefani. <laughs> well, it might be the end of the road, David, because they're coming up against some sensations. Yeah. Do we need to explain that reference? <laughs> or are we just going to sit there no, with on, Luisa Stefani? <laughs> to, to, hell to, of a player, she is. Tell us the reference. <laughs> It was Lexington. It was Lexington 2020. We've well, been, it was a weird time. We, we've I been had starved tennis of for, tennis for I'd months. No tennis for six months. And David was watching anything that was on and, <laughs> and um, was watching Luisa Stefani. And there's, a, there's a message which we frequently go back to in our, in our WhatsApp Just group. apropos of nothing. Apropos of literally Completely nothing. out of the blue. David goes... No one's chatting. Luisa Stefani, what a player she is. <laughs> Stand by it. I mean, look at her record. Look at her record. In, isn't she like a bronze medalist or something then, in the Olympics? She then teamed up, didn't she, in the, yeah. in the Olympics and, and did sort of really come to and everyone's did, attention, but David had already spotted her. Didn't she and the Brazilian team beat a team from a, about six match points down? They, they did something extraordinary, didn't they? What a player. What a player she is. <laughs> Well, it's what a player plus <laughs> Rafael Matos against some sensations. What a what a draw. What a draw card that is tomorrow night on the Rod Laver Arena. Um, there is plenty else going on besides. We'll try and update you tomorrow on some doubles and some wheelchair action and some other bits and bobs. Needless to say, we're at the stage of the doubles where there's still sensations everywhere. Storm Hunter still going with Elise Mertens. 
They're the fourth seeds in the women's doubles. The top seed in the men's, Wesley Kulhoff, Neil Skubsky, they're up against some sensations tomorrow. Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler, that's second on the Rod Laver Arena. John Pierce, dubious as to whether he's a sensation, I think. But he is with Andres <laughs> Mies. How do you define one? <laughs> you know when it's not it. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's really harsh, given, given the people that are getting the tag. And but that, mm, that's part of the point, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's not about success. It's, it's got to... absolutely nothing to do with success. In <laughs> no. fact, it's inversely The original, the original sensation was Christopher O'Connell, David. So is Piers too good for being a sensation? I think he might be, yeah. He might be. I get you, I get you. Yeah, right. just like Alex de Menor's never been a sensation. Right. And they don't seem to like female sensations. But no. I've, <laughs> I've, I've anointed some sensations. I think Olivia Gadecki is a sensation. It was a Czech sensation Storm today. Hunter. They called Holger Runa a sensation yesterday on Channel 9, and it, it threw me off. <laughs> mm. and, and Yuri Lehechka today, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just... they're, they're grasping now. <laughs> it's desperate times. Um, that's it. That's your lot, I think, for today. What is it? Day nine of the Australian Open. We've got five more of these to go. We have our mascot, Cordelia. Lovely cat, she is. Uh, head to our Instagram to see uh, our post with a picture of Cordelia. Uh, we're now at the stage where you can laugh at the pre-tournament predictions that we made from the quarterfinals onwards. There is lots to laugh about there, folks, let me tell you. We, of course, have our sponsors for the duration of the Australian Open, the people that are sending us to Indian Wells. It is Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours and on location, the premium hospitality and experience provider. We have our mascots. David has Maisie. Oh, amazing. I have Xenia. Matt's got Darwin. I'd also like to just give a quick shout out to Reggie, who is saving mine and Xenia's dignity <laughs> in the newsletter predictions. Um, because Reggie is on, bless him, zero. And... Honestly, I am so grateful for the fig leaf of respectability <laughs> that Reggie is providing me right now. Were it not for you, Reggie, I'd be bang last, panicking and going for Hail Marys. So Still time, Reggie. Do you know what I think you. Reggie is? A sensation. <laughs> yes, Reggie. Reggie is a prediction sensation. Reggie, you're my sensation. Myself and Xenia, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks, Drew. De- Drew- <laughs> I can't do first names anymore. Oh God! Where was that going to end up? <laughs> we have Drew, Jamie, and Hannah. They're our executive producers, and thank goodness Matt's doing the shout outs. <laughs> We've got Jacob Carabell in Washington, D.C. Right, Jacob. Hello, Jacob. You've Um, been to Washington, D.C., Matt, haven't you? I have, yes. I was there. This is is an insight into how my mind works. I was there when Andy Murray won Antwerp in 2019. That's one of the things I associate about being in in Washington. Um, Loved it there. Tennis Jacobs. There have to be some. I, I did. I I did have a think in the last twenty seconds. There and must I've, be I've some. Come up empty. Can't Any Jakes? Jake Garner, the umpire. Does that count? <laughs> that is huge from you, <laughs> David. <laughs> Big. 
David, well, David told us earlier. It's not the right name, though. David that's... told us earlier that in the year 2013, he went for four dinners with the umpire John Blom. Correct. <laughs> not just the two of them. Well, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. And I should say, Jacob's written a very um, nice note to say that his wife, Annie, and he noted on their holiday card last year that their dog Schroeder was a 2022 pet mascot. I remember Schroeder. For the podcast. Oh. Which I thought was lovely. Love that. Thank you, Jacob and Annie and Schroeder. We've also got Andy Thorpe, who is in Loughborough. But hey, he Loughborough! Is, he's originally from Yorkshire, he says. I went to university in Loughborough. Any tennis Andes? Any... Just a couple. Just just some. Well, actually, he says, I'll be waiting to see if my third shout-out will, will also involve an Andy Murray tale. So we're obviously predictable. Give us an Andy Roddick story, David. Um, an Andy Roddick story. I, I can't think of any. <laughs> no. Brilliant. Andy, thanks ever so much. We've done you proud there. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. We got John Blom stories earlier, but not Andy Roddick. <laughs> I can't think of any. That final onwards. shout out today is Hannah Loxton in Somerset. All right, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Like Hannah from Twitter. Yes. Like Hannah Wilkes, yeah. who, if you're not following on Twitter, you absolutely need to. Yeah. And, Anna that is... and Andrew are doing yes. great, great work. Or Andrew. Yes. Yeah, they are. Amazing. Oh, Andy. Andy, presumably an Andrew. And Hannah. These two can be a Andrew, a Handy. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do remember about Andy Roddick. You know how he used to win? You know how he used to win Queens every single year? And then one year, he lost in the first round. And he came in a press conference and he said, what you do in England when you lose in the first round, when you've got to fill in two weeks until Wimbledon? And uh, and we all just sort of sat there not knowing what to say, a bit like when you asked me for an Andy Roddick sort of story. <laughs> and uh, and he, he goes, um, you know, let me know. So I, I, I decided to take him up on that, and I went round to the entire British media, and I did a t- list of ten things for him to do. And what were they, and did he do them? <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd arrange the tour of West Bromwich Albion for him or something. That, was a, that would have been a good that idea. That would be on the ten things to do. Oh, I think it's time we get this show off the road, Probably, folks. Yeah. I appreciate you getting me out of a hole, David. People have got lives. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ever so much for listening. Uh, do, despite how this show has ended, <laughs> do, do join us tomorrow for, for better material. We promise. Or we'll at least try. We promise to try. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Leave us an iTunes review. Subscribe to the newsletter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And join us again tomorrow. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 